good? There we are. Let's give Jesus a hand in this room today. Come on, I think we owe him a praise this morning. I think you thought you were done, but we still, we got more on the inside. There's a well on the inside of us that's rising up and declaring the goodness and the gracious kindness, loving hand of the Father over our lives. And we thank you, Jesus, for your presence in the room. We, we honor you, Holy Spirit. Have your way. Do what only you can do. Say what you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Are you glad you're in the house of God today? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I'm thankful to be in his presence, and I'm thankful to be in this church that means the world to me and my family, to my wife and my children and our church family. Your pastors are some of our dearest friends in the world, and they have saved our lives literally from some crazy times that we have walked through and helped us with just their kindness and their goodness, but also their wisdom and their strength. And they've been like another set of parents to Monica and I, and we're so grateful for you. Got to get you back to Tennessee so we can go to Waffle House. <laughs> of all the places he wants to go when he comes to Tennessee, Waffle House. And, it, and when the W isn't lit up, it's Awful House, which is more appropriate. I'm just kidding, but we take him to... A Waffle House and make his dreams come true. <laughs> well, I'm so grateful to get the opportunity to preach the word to you. So let's go to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. If you have a Bible, you can follow along. If not, they'll put it up on the screens for you so you can follow with us. I'm going to start in verse 6, and I want to talk to you today about what I believe every believer needs. I'm going to talk to you about five things I believe every believer in Jesus needs. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 says this, Paul and his companions, one of them is actually Timothy, they traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So this is twice now that the Spirit of God has said, no, don't go there. So they passed by Missy and went to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Father, we thank you for your words. Speak to us clearly over these moments we have together. We thank you for your presence that we feel in the room. And that means that anything is possible today. So whatever we came in the room with, whatever need we have, the presence of God is here to meet that need. So we reach out in faith to you right now. We lean in just a little bit further to hear what the Spirit of the Lord would say to us today. Because we want to leave this place different than how we Came in. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, the custom was if you entered in the east gate, you had to enter out or leave a different gate. Because it's always been your design, God, that we wouldn't leave your house the same way we came into your house. So we believe you for change in our lives today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 
I love this story. Paul here has connected with Timothy, and they are traveling and preaching the gospel. And they have such a passion for the Lord, and they're both so gifted, and uh, they're really wanting to be used by God. So they're going everywhere. And they try to make their way into Asia, but the Spirit of the Lord says no. And then they try to make their way into a place called Bithynia, and the Lord, through his Spirit, speaks to them again and says no. So one night Paul falls asleep, and as he's sleeping, God gives him this vision in the middle of the night. And in the vision, there's a man in the vision crying out, saying, come and help us, come and save us. And so they set out on this journey to Macedonia. And what's so powerful about this moment is that it helps us see that a couple things. Not every opportunity is my problem. Not every open door has my name on it. And Paul has the sense to know when the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to him, where he should go and how he should go about his business. And the Bible teaches us here that I think for many of us that our opportunities are actually going to cause more danger, more harm in our life than our obstacles. I've, I've never seen a sober and I, I, I put sober on there. I've never seen a sober, grown person drown in a kiddie pool. But I have seen some grown people drown in more than what they can handle. And sometimes if you're not careful, blessing can look a lot like that. Because the problem with serving God, the problem with obeying God is that it works. Anybody experience that? It's the same thing Jonah knew. Jonah, who was asked by God to go and preach the word to Nineveh, Jonah went the opposite direction. Why? Because Jonah knew the word of God would work. And if he preached the word of God, it was going to work. And that entire city was going to repent and come to God. And he didn't want to do it because he knew it would work. And some of y'all don't want to forgive because you know it works. <laughs> and you want to hold on to that thing because it makes you feel better. But God is... God is giving us an opportunity to recognize that sometimes our greatest issue is not struggle. I think even almost inherently there's in our DNA, there's something in us that knows what to do when it gets difficult, that knows how to fight, that knows how to when our backs are up against the wall, we know how to survive. But when you look at the scripture, when you see the people of God really losing their mind is not in the struggle. In the struggle, you find them calling out to God and repenting and offering sacrifices. When they start to lose their mind is in the blessing. And I'm just telling you, at some point in your life, if you walk with God long enough, if you're faithful, you will be fruitful. If you give, it will be given back to you. And doors are going to be opened. And things are going to begin to happen for you. And you have to make sure that you are becoming the right person so that when those opportunities show themselves, you don't drown in your opportunities. But you have the, the spirit of the Lord on the inside of you that tells you which way to go and what door actually belongs to you. This is important for us. In Exodus, we see that the same people who grew under oppression, Israel, they actually got stuck in the blessing of of freedom. I heard someone say this years ago. They said, passion is what you love to do. Talent is what you can do, but purpose is what you are supposed to do. 
And I think in our day, we have a lot of people that are driven by their passion, driven by their talent. Very few are actually driven by purpose. So the Holy Spirit says, don't go there. Don't preach there. And it amazes me because you would think that God would want the gospel. Isn't the command go into all the world? Why not? Why can't we go there? Because listen to me, every need is not your responsibility. And your calling is not just about what you are supposed to do, but where you are supposed to do it. There is a grace on your life, not just to do something, but there is also a grace on your life. There is a, in the same way Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. There is also a people that know your voice and know that you're the one that's supposed to lead them. You're the one that they're supposed to follow. You're the one that they're supposed to come into agreement with when they hear your voice. That's why I tell people all the time, I, I, I can't just show up and plant a church wherever I want to show up and plant a church. People tell me sometimes, they're like, man, what are you doing in that little town in Johnson City? Where are you there? Well, if you went to here, if you went to L.A. or you went here, that thing would explode. And I'm like, this grace isn't on my life for L.A. There isn't a grace on my life for Atlanta. I've got a grace on my life for Johnson City, Tennessee. And unless God speaks, I'm not taking my talents to South Beach. You know what I'm talking about? Like... <laughs> And the more gifted you are, the more difficult clarity becomes because you have more opportunities. There's a woman in the New Testament who Jesus has a conversation with at a well. And I think sometimes we look at that woman and we look at her and, man, she's had five failed marriages. You know, she's, she's in a sixth relationship at the time and she's just a failure at relationships. I actually look at her a little bit different. I look at her as a woman with five opportunities to get married and somebody else who wants to marry her. Do you hear what I'm saying? And sometimes it's easy to criticize the woman at the well because of the failures you see in her life, but sometimes you would have been the same person, you just didn't have the same opportunities. Some of y'all can't get one person. I'm preaching I'm preach this keyboard. Some of y'all can't get one and you're out here criticizing somebody with five. She just got five opportunities. So if you're not careful, you can drown in opportunity. And if you're gifted, this is a real issue for you. I've come to one of the most gifted regions in the country to tell you that you need more than gifting. You need, number one, you need a spirit-led life. The Bible says here that Paul wanted to go into these regions, but the spirit resisted. You need a relationship with God that exceeds your passion and your talent because if you don't, you will walk through every open door. You don't just need a relationship with God where you constantly hear him say yes. You need a relationship with God where you hear him say no to you. 
Because God's no very often clarifies your yes. And if you don't have a relationship with God where he can say no to you, then you're probably not walking in the perfect will of God. You're probably walking in your will, a will, but it is not the will of God. The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Jesus, full of the Spirit, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. It's amazing, isn't it, that Jesus was full of the Spirit and then led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Not many people would be like, hey, pastor, I feel like my call is to the wilderness. Nobody comes and says, hey, pastor, you know, I feel called to the dry places of this region. Why? Because there are very few people who are full enough of the Spirit to be led by the Spirit to the right place. Oh, man, we, I, I remember coming back from, from camp and, and when I was younger, and these, these kids and, and myself, we'd be like, man, I want to I change the whole world. I want to change the whole world. And then they would get home, and mom, dad would be like, hey, I need you to change the sheets in your bed. We feel called. I don't feel, that's not my calling. I feel called to the nations, not children's ministry. <laughs> but sometimes if you are full of the Spirit, the Spirit of God is going to take you to some places you don't feel like going. So you have to have a relationship with God that is stronger than your passion and your talent because very often the call of God will take you to a place you don't feel like your talent matches the situation. So I don't want to be led by my passion. Yes, God wants to use my passion. I don't want to be led by my talent. Yes, God wants to use my talent, but I want to be led by the Spirit. And if I am full of self, I will be led by self. If I'm full of greed, I'll be led by money. These things will drive my decisions. Because here's what the enemy will do to you. If he cannot tear you down and pull you down with sin, he will push you forward with opportunities. If he cannot tear you down, we think the only thing that's going to mess us up is if we trip over and we fall into Delilah's lap, you know, we get caught doing something terrible and those things are awful, but those aren't the only things that trip believers up because if the enemy can't get you to fall in the strip club, he'll get you to fall with an opportunity that looks like every See, because the enemy, when he shows up, the Bible says he appears as an angel of light. He doesn't show up with horns and a pitchfork. He shows up looking like everything you ever wanted. And you have to know this is God or this is not the plan of God for my life. And here's the thing, I'm not just looking for an opportunity to use my gift. I'm not just looking to fulfill purpose. I am trying to fulfill my purpose. Paul could have gone to Asia and made a difference. But I don't want to just make a difference. I want to make my difference. Jesus himself said in Matthew 26, 53, Pilate's like, hey, man, I'm in charge. And Jesus is like, no, you no, you're not. You don't understand the situation. I could call to my father and he would send legions of angels to defend me. He said, but I have to do it this way so that the scripture can be fulfilled. And there is a destiny over your life. There is purpose that God has spoken over your life. 
you are so important to God that he was creating you and forming you and putting you together in the womb of your mother and he refuses for you to be used any other way than how he wants you to be used. There is a book that has been written and you must come into alignment with the book and the only way to know what it is is with a relationship with the spirit of God that exceeds your own natural ability. So Jesus says, I got to do it this way because I got to fulfill scripture. That tells me something else. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. Number two, you need humility. Think about this. Paul was as highly skilled and educated as anybody. Historians believe Paul spoke about seven different languages. He was a Jewish man, but also a Roman citizen familiar with both Jewish and Roman law. He said of himself, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was trained by Gamaliel, one of the most prolific teachers of the law. If anyone was gifted enough to think they knew what was best for their life, it was Paul. But Paul had humility. And watch this. Paul's greatest contribution to Asia was not his preaching. Paul would eventually make it to Asia, but not the way he thought he was going to make it to Asia. Paul made it to Asia, not with his voice, but with a pen. And for some of us, we are so married to the way we want God to use us that we are missing how God wants to use us. You have married a method, and because you have married a method, you haven't discovered what I call the unknown self. The things that God put in you that you don't even know about you that only get revealed to you through obedience. And you could be running around and your gift could be working and you could be flowing and thinking you're really in the will of God, but the problem is, is there's a part of you that God hasn't let you see yet because you haven't obeyed yet. And you might be making a difference, but again, I don't want to just make a difference. I'll show you in a minute. You have a difference. I wanna make my difference. Because there are people that God has designed for me to come into contact with that you will never meet. There are people that God has designed for you to come in contact with that I will never meet and I will never know. And if I'm out here trying to do what I see you do, then we'll both miss. You trying to do me, I'm trying to do what you're trying to do. We'll both miss what God has for us. So when it comes to the call of God, don't compare yourself to somebody on social media. Don't compare yourself to the person you're standing next to in church. Realize and recognize that before time even began, I was on the mind of God and he was thinking about my purpose. When I was born, he didn't have to come up with a plan for my life. He already had a plan for my life. Come on, somebody. So Paul had the humility to recognize that, yeah, this is something I'm gifted to do, but I'm going to follow God. And because he followed God, he had more of an impact than he ever would just having a meeting and preaching. His letters got distributed throughout Asia, and he reached more people with the pen than he ever reached from a stage. Why? Because he wasn't married to his method. It takes humility to to switch it up. It takes humility to realize that there's some parts of you that you haven't seen yet. There's some gifts in you that you haven't fully discovered yet. I thought I was, uh, for, for years, and I would say it, I thought I was unorganized, and I would always say, you know, I'm not very administrative, and 
and we had something happen in, in our, on our staff, and I found myself, when this, when, this, when this person left, this void was created, I found myself creative, things I never thought I was. I found myself having ideas. I found myself jumping in and getting involved in details. I was a person who was like, oh, ooh, details, ooh, details, gross. And I found myself doing things. And now what I've discovered at this point in my life, I'm 45, I've discovered that an administration gift is in there. I just, I didn't believe it because I hadn't, I hadn't obeyed God. I had been trying to, I had been trying to bring people in to make up for an area that God wanted to use me in myself. Whew. So I never created a, a, a window of opportunity for that gift to come forward until God himself. Aren't you thankful for a God who will do stuff for you you would never do for you? Until God was like, oh, that person you're leaning on, bye-bye. Oh, that person you're using as a crutch, bye-bye. Let me introduce you to the person I created you to be. And sometimes the people that are leaving your life, it's not a matter of they're bad and you're good or you're on a mission and they're, you know, divisive or they're trying to divide or what. No, sometimes God moves people out of your life because he's trying to show you who you are and he's trying to show them who they are. And you two together just isn't a good thing. Philippians 2 and 4, Paul writes, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. What's the call of God on my life, Robbie? Make yourself nothing. What does God want me to do? Make yourself nothing. What happens here in Philippians? Paul says, to Christ, God gave him a name that's above every name. And I, I have discovered that if I will stop trying to make a name for myself, God will give me a name. And the name God gives me is way better than the name that people have given me, my friends gave me. Come on, there are people who didn't believe in me. They gave me some names. Some of y'all, you, you don't even like the name your parents gave you, but you are not what they called you. You are not what they said about you. You are not the label that they put on you. You are who God says you are. And I want you to go to God, and you let God make a name for you, and you'll never have to make a name for yourself. Number three, you need a, you need a vision. Watch this. The vision only comes to Paul when he says yes to the Spirit's no. There has to be a willingness for you to say yes to the Spirit's no. And sometimes it can feel like when you're serving God, sometimes it can feel like you're taking a step backwards. We've all heard the illustration that very often what God is doing is he's got you in a, a bow and arrow type situation where He's pulling you backwards so that he can launch you forward. And I love that illustration. It reminds me, too, of when I, when I come to Boston, my airport, I either have to go through Charlotte or Atlanta. I'm trying to get to Boston. You guys are in the Northeast. But the airplane takes me south before I go north. 
And then sometimes when I get here, this airport is so busy. My airport, you just, you see the cows and you know that's where you land. This airport is not the same thing. And sometimes around here, I've been up in the air just circling around your airport for 30 minutes. Scares me out of my mind. It's not that the plane, listen to me, it's not that the plane isn't ready to land, it's that the ground isn't ready for the plane. And sometimes what you see is God holding you up is not God holding you up, it's God preparing the place that he has for you. Because this is the way God works. God always creates place than people. It's the way it's always been. From the beginning, he said, I'm, I, I created this garden and he puts man in it. Before he leaves the earth, he says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may also be. So I came to tell somebody today that the place that God has for you is already being prepared by God. And if you're not in it, it's not, it's not always because you're not ready. Sometimes it's because it's not ready. And if you're not careful, you will constantly think there is something wrong with you and you will perfect things for the rest of your life that don't matter to God. When God came and he called Moses, he didn't ask him about his, his background, where he came from, how much talent he had. He didn't ask him for his resume. He, he started to give God his resume. And God's like, I didn't call you because of any of that. As a matter of fact, I actually called you because you can't talk well. I actually called you because you don't have any real discernible giftings because once this thing goes down there's only one who's going to get the glory and it's going to be me but oh listen to me and watch as the people of God are, are are in Egypt they're crying out to God and God isn't talking to them he's talking to Moses could it be that sometimes what you think is God not talking to you is God actually is talking to your deliverer God is, and, and it seems like God is silent with you, but God is talking to somebody. And there, I, I just came to tell somebody that God is preparing everything. And if you will trust him, if you will have the humility not to rush and get ahead of God, but trust him in this season where he wants you to maybe sit still and maybe just sit for a moment and, and contemplate for a moment and, and get some knowledge and get some wisdom and, and sit faithful for a moment. Could it be that he's making it so that when you do land, that when you do show up, it's the right environment for you and you don't have to struggle like every other environment? that you've had to struggle in. But man, that takes vision, that takes humility because we want to, we want to help God, Abraham. We want to help him. I know you said it was like this, but it's not happened the way I thought it was supposed to happen, so let me get involved. And what we do when we get involved, just like Abraham, we create agitators to our destiny. I can't even go down that road. I don't have that much time. You need a vision. Most people spend their life going after what they want or they settle in life for what they can do. They go after what they want or they settle for what they can do. And oh man, you can do that and you can have a vocation but you won't have a vision. You can do that and you can make a living, but you won't make a life. 
Let me give you another thought. You need provision. Anybody in the room just say, you don't have to throw your hand up real high. Just like, I need a little money. I need need some resources in my life. (laughs) I need a scholarship. (laughs) I need need a donor. (laughs) I need a roommate. You know, just something like I just, I need help. You need provision. Every vision requires provision. It's going to cost something to do it. How do you, maybe you're in the place where you've got a vision, but you're struggling to find the provision that you need for that vision. Maybe you want to start a business, but you're struggling to find the provision and you're, you're doing the best you can. You're trying to connect. You've got your LinkedIn profile together. You're, you're out there sending your resume to everybody. You've got a presentation all together and you're making presentations and it doesn't seem like it's working. And in your mind, you're thinking, I just need one connect. I just need one door to open. I just need one thing to happen. I just need this one opportunity. Could it be that sometimes provision is evading us because we are chasing provision and not provider? So the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, it says that one day, verses 11 through 15, it says that one day Paul and his crew, they went out and it says they went to find a place to pray. And as they're looking for a place to pray, they meet these women. And one of these women is Lydia. If you have any familiarity with church history, you understand that Lydia is an incredible donor. (laughs) She's an incredible partner in the ministry. She actually that day invites Paul and his friends to come and stay with her. And she feeds them and takes care of them. She's a business lady who has connections and influence in the community. Well, watch this. They didn't find Lydia looking for Lydia. They found Lydia looking for a place to pray. And could it be that you're you're chasing Lydia (laughs) instead of the presence of God? Could it be that you are trying to find provision in, in a connection, in a, in a relationship, and all of those things are important. But could it be that you're missing the one that God has called to provide and help and come alongside you, mentor you, or whatever it is that you need because you are so obsessed with trying to find provision that you actually miss provision because provision isn't found looking for provision. Provision is found in the place of prayer. Provision is found in the place of prayer. And people are like, uh, you know, it's been 10 years. How in the world have you in 10 years taken this church and it's gone to this level and, and it's got this influence and God is doing this and this many people are coming in and, and God is using you around the world. How is that happening in your life in 10 years? Every solution that I've ever gotten in ministry has come from the place of prayer. It's come from encounter with God. I honestly, I don't want an answer to a problem I have outside of prayer. I don't want it. So what I've decided is when I come to the house of God, I'm not just coming to the house of God to come in and check a box off that says, man, I was at church today and I heard a message today. No, I'm coming to the house of God because I've got some problems in my life that need some answers. Anybody in the room, you've got some issues in your life and you need a supernatural solution. 
Like, like, like this isn't, you can't do a Google search for this. You can't, you can't phone a friend for this. You, you can't call an in-law for this. Like, you need heaven to open up and God to do something that only God can do. That is only found in the place of prayer. So I would encourage you, as you see the world moving further and further away from church and, and being in the house of God, and, and there are people who, who aren't even watching online anymore, which is something they did during the pandemic, and they've fallen off even from online. I want to encourage you, if you're online, in that room that you're in, don't just show up to listen to a sermon or to watch a screen. Show up to encounter the presence of God. When you come into the room, don't just sit here and clap along with everybody else, but make sure that you are here with one desire and one desire only. The psalmist put it this way. He said, this one thing I ask, this one thing I seek, that I could dwell in the house of the Lord forever to sit at his feet. And what did he say? To learn of him. There are things that we can only learn about God for our life in his presence. And we're looking for solutions in every other place but prayer. And God is like, I'm still speaking, but I speak on my terms. Moses, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. My terms. I speak when I want, where I want, how I want. And how I speak, I speak in my presence. I for those that are hungry and those that are thirsty for righteousness, they shall be filled. So I'm asking you, where's that desire, that passion to say, God, I'm here not to just clap my hands and say, man, I went to church today. What a good service. All that's wonderful. But I'm here because I need heaven to open up and I need supernatural answers in Jesus' name. Let me give you one more thought and I'll let you, let you go today. You need relational discernment. Relational discernment. So when they go out to find a place to pray, the one day they find, they run into Lydia. They go out another time to pray and this time when they go out, they run into someone who is not Lydia. The Bible says that there is a woman who has a gift to predict the future. And they run into this woman, and she starts to follow them along. And she says to them, and she says to the crowds that are listening to them and following them, she says to them, she goes, these men are men of God, sent by God to tell you the way to be saved. These men are men of God, sent by God to tell you the way to be saved. That sounds pretty good. I don't see anything wrong with that. That sounds like, if, if I'm Paul, I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's who I am, a man of God, sent by God, you know? If somebody was following me around today saying, this is a man of God, sent by God to declare the word of God to you, I'd be like, tell him like it is. That's why I'm here. What's interesting about the story is she keeps doing this for a few days, and the Bible says Paul gets fed up with her. And he turns around one day, and he says to the spirit in this woman, he rebukes the spirit, he casts the spirit out of her. She gets free from her bondage. So the people in town, they actually get upset because they were profiting off of her bondage. Can I say that to you, by the way, too, that someone is profiting off of your bondage? Somebody likes it that you're bound up. Somebody likes it that every time you, you get a little bit of freedom, you, you come back 
you, you, you run back to them. Every time you get, you get a little bit excited about the Lord that you fall back into to bondage. And they're, they're profiting off of it. Not, not everybody's making money off of your bondage, but some people like you being bound because it makes them feel better about being bound. And then every time you get free, it reminds them that they're not free. You know what I'm talking about? And so I, I said it this way. I, I think this is funny. I really do. You can laugh if you want. You don't have to. But I really have an issue with churches that have like a 5.0 Google review. This bothers me. You mean there's nobody in the city mad at y'all? Like, you know, you haven't hurt anybody's feelings enough to where they got on Google. I mean, you haven't... You, and what I, what I think about that is, is are, are, we, are we making the drug dealers angry? Are we making the, the people in the community who are profiting off of people who are in bondage angry? Oh, man. I feel like I, like I want to be a part of a church that's making the devil mad. Mad enough to where I don't have a 5.0 review on Google. Mad enough that they get on social media and they have to start talking bad about me. I, I, give me a church with a 4.3. You know what I mean? Just Because uh, if you got a 4.3, that means you, you dance a little strange. That means y'all get down a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Like, Because not everybody likes that. That means there every now and then there's, there's some tongue talking going on. There's some wild Nigerians in the room who just can't resist praising God. And they're like, you think that's prayer? Let me take you to Nigeria and we'll talk about prayer. Like, I, I feel like I, that's what I'm talking about. I, I want to be a part of a church like this who's shaking the, the, the community and they're, they're making a difference. And people are seeing and, and those that are in bondage are being set free. And they're not the community isn't able to profit off of people's bondage anymore. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? That's the kind of vision that we've got here. But the Bible says, so Paul rebukes this woman, the devil comes out of her, and, and uh, these, these guys get upset. But what's so amazing about this is that she's saying all the right things, but she's got a bad spirit. And if you don't have relational discernment, what will happen to you is you will connect yourself with people that say all the right things, but their spirit is messed up. In other words, some of y'all are dating people you should be casting the devil out of. Oh, I heard like a little rumble, a little spattered clapping over here. We're about to get a 4.3 review today. <laughs> some of y'all have no discernment. And if you're not careful, your, your insecurities will cause you to partner with people who are saying the right thing, but their spirit isn't right. This is what happens when you have a vision and no values. Let me leave you with this. The end of the story is, is to, to me, the most important part of this story. It really reveals why it's so important that as a follower of Jesus, you, you're led by the Spirit. So Paul and Silas, because of what happened to this woman who had this evil spirit in her, they get thrown into prison. And while they're in prison, the Bible says it gets to be around midnight and they're praying and they're singing. 
And the Bible says that the prisoners are all listening to them pray and sing. Paul and Silas had the full attention of the prisoners. Well, while this is all going down, the Bible tells us that this massive earthquake hits that region and the prison doesn't, doesn't nothing happens to the prison, but all of their chains fall off and the doors to the prison open up. And it's interesting to me that nowhere in the story does it say God made this earthquake happen. And, and I think there's, that's just an assumption that we put on there. And I have no problem with that. Paul and Silas were praying and the, the earth shook and they got set free. I have no problem with that. But, but I think it was probably more of a natural occurrence. Because if you look at that region, they've had multiple earthquakes already this year. It's actually known for earthquakes. They're happening all the time. Pretty big one. What I believe happened here is I believe that a person following the will of God met up with a person who needed God. So when Paul and Silas and the rest of the prisoners, chains fall off and the doors open up, the prison guard, the Bible says, actually determines. He's like, they've all, they've all bounced. I'll get killed for this. I might as well go ahead and take my own. Life, So he goes to take his own life, and Paul shouts out, hey, 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 everything's good. No reason to be afraid. We're all still, still here. I love this because what this means is that if Paul doesn't follow the spirit of the Lord and instead goes into Asia, this earthquake still happens. Those chains still come off. But those prisoners aren't listening to Paul and Silas in that moment. They're doing what any prisoner would do if they had an opportunity to escape. They're gone. But because they've been listening to Paul and Silas sing and pray and seek God, their attention is on them. And they believe that they actually caused this to happen. And so Paul says, hey, nobody's going anywhere. It's good. And a guard who's just seems to be a random guy in this entire story who would have taken his life. And if he takes his life, what happens to his family? In that culture, that family is done. Their generations are, are over. They've, they've lost their provider. The, the sons very often in that culture would be taken captive by people who they owe debts to. And this is how important you are to the plan of God. That there is a jailer, there is a prison guard somewhere who is waiting on you to say yes to the plan of God for your life so that the plan of God and the purpose of God meets up with that person who is lost and hasn't been found yet. This is how important it is. You're like, man, I don't think I mean that much to... No, 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 this is how much you mean to the story of what God is doing in the earth is that he needs you to hear and respond to his voice and follow his spirit because somewhere someone is contemplating the end. Somebody's life is at risk and you're the answer. I believe that you were created as a solution to someone else's problem. I believe that's why God puts us on the earth. I believe that's why he puts us in this room, to hear his word, 
and to empower us and to equip us to go into all the world and preach the gospel because there is someone who you're going to encounter this week that I will never, ever see. And showing them my message on YouTube won't be enough. And saying, come to my church won't be enough. And we should invite everybody we could possibly invite. But there is someone that's waiting for you to obey God. There is someone on the other side of your obedience to God. So, Father, in Jesus' name. We're in this room today, not out of religious obligation. We're in this room today because we believe there is a God who lives. We believe in his son that rose from the dead. We believe in his spirit that is empowering us right now. And we know Something deep down on the inside of us lets us know. The Bible says you put eternity in the hearts of men. There's something in all of us that longs for more than just what we're experiencing in everyday life. There's something in us that longs for something eternal. Longs to matter in this world. Longs to make a difference. God, we don't want to just make a difference. We don't want to be in Asia when you called us to Macedonia. We want to... We want to be in the place that you called us to be so that the people who you've called us to reach can hear the good news of Jesus, see the transformation in our lives and say yes to a God who loves them with a love that cannot be measured. So help us to have the humility to say yes to your no, to follow your will. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, can we put our hands together and bless the Lord?